You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. It is so good to have you with us here tonight and with us here each and every week. And I want to express to you how much I appreciate all of you listeners, whether you listen live, whether you're listening live in the chat room, whether you're listening live somewhere somewhere else, or uh, whether you are listening in the archives later. So thank you 
just for listening. And now I have to tell you something. You should take a moment right now and go and tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your brother, tell your sister, tell your kids, tell your uncle, tell your aunt, tell your cousins, your first cousins, your second cousins, your third cousins. Tell your neighbors across the street. Tell the people that you work with. Tell everybody that you know that might be interested that they should tune in. Oh, yes, they should tune in because it's going to be a hot one tonight. It's going to be a real hot one tonight. In fact, there's a, a can, uh, a, a kind of like a, a metaphorical, a metaphysical can that uh, I've been keeping stuff in. Uh, and tonight, I'm going to take the lid off of it. I'm going I'm to take the lid right off of the can. Tonight is our 75th episode of the Now You Know Show. Uh, that does not include our various oh holiday shows. We've had Christmas shows. We've had a, a very wonderful Halloween show, in my opinion. We've had the Thanksgiving show. And we've had New Year's Eve uh, dance party show. Uh, and, of course, obviously, we've had, you know, a variety of repeats uh, and because of, you know, things that go on in life. But this is actually episode 75. And 75 is a significant number to me. And there are significant things going on in the world. And so I'm going to say a few things. And I'm going to try... I'm going to try, going to try so hard to say these things in a certain amount of time. You know, good radio. Uh, and I'm going to do my best to say them in uh, about 7 minutes and 11 seconds. So let's see if I can do it, shall we? So I want to bring up, first off, the issue that has come up lately surrounding surrounding uh, Colin Kaepernick. Who is Colin Kaepernick? Well, Colin Kaepernick is a football player, uh, and he's a, a pretty good football player. Uh, he's an American football quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers in the NFL. And recently... During the singing of the national anthem, Colin did not rise. And you would think that the world had ended because of this. There's been a lot of debate. There's been a lot of vinegar spread about this. And <clears throat> what I want to talk about is the response that some people have had to it. And here is my issue. I have listened now for many days to people saying, how dare Colin Kaepernick, how dare he not rise when the national anthem was played? How dare he? And they say this. They actually say this. How dare he 
in this land of freedom, of expression, of rights. How dare he do that? He should leave the country. We want him out. We want him gone. Because in this country we have rights. And because of those rights, ah, here's the hitch. As the bard said, there's the rub. Here is the rub. See, what they're saying is, in this country we're free. In this country we have rights. Rights to free expression. Rights to political protest. Rights to freedom of expression. Uh, Freedom of, uh, of religion, freedom of peaceful assembly, freedom of the press, and how dare anyone use those rights. And I've heard this before. I've heard it before in my own life. I've heard it before in the pages of history books. And it is high time that I say something. And this is not just about Colin Kaepernick. This is about good old Professor Porterfield standing at the side of the ocean on the beach, watching an ever-growing wave come in. Now, you can say that I'm extreme. You can say I'm dramatic. You can say I'm overblowing things. You can even question my right to say it, except let me remind you quickly that I am not a news source. Oh no, I am not a news source. A lot of what I say here is opinion. So you can take it or you can leave it. You can sign off right now and stop listening to me. In fact, you might want to, but I'm going to say this. There is a rising wave of fascism. That's it, fascism right now, not just in the world, as if that weren't bad enough, but right here at home. Oh, yes, there is. You can call it whatever you want. You can debate with me. You can run to the dictionary right now and go, well, but the definition of fascism is there is a rising wave of totalitarianism. There is a rising wave of know-nothingism. There is a rising wave of fascism. And I see it every day in every bit of the media, in every social media outlet, in the newspaper, on the street. And it's growing. And it's singing the same song that it has always sung. We demand unity. We want strength. We want purity. And it is only through unity and strength and purity that our children and we may be protected. We've got to cut out the dead wood. We've got to eliminate the weaklings. We've got to protect ourselves for the purity of our minds, our hearts, our souls, and our bodies. And you are with us or you are against us. This is the song it has always sung, and this is the song it sings now. It plays the tune on the fiddle and the fife of You Have Rights, 
you have freedoms, and damn you if you use them, except in the utility of the movement, the utility of the state, the utility of the unity. Well, listen, if this is what you want, this is what you're about to get. For good parts of my life, people have said to me, because I am a Jew, I just don't understand it. How could Germany have gone that way? How could things have happened like that in Germany? I guess there must be something strange and unusual and odd about the German people. There wasn't. And there isn't. If you want to know how it happens, turn around. Look about. This is how it happens. It's happening now. Forgive me if I use the Dylan or Smokey the Bear you, but here it is. Only you can stop it. You must stop being afraid. You must. Because if you don't, it's going to get very, very ugly. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the news. Good evening. Today is Thursday, September the 1st, the 245th day of 2016. There are 21 days until autumn begins and 121 days left in the year. Today is the new moon. The second to the third will be auspicious days to bake, cut firewood, mow to increase growth, dig holes, wax floors, get married, buy clothes, entertain friends, and host a party. The second through the th- fourth will also be excellent days for sowing grains, hay, and foraging crops. This is also the time to plant flowers, as well as good days for planting peas, beans, tomatoes, peppers, and other above-ground crops in southern Florida, Texas, and California. The first through the fourth will also be poor days for fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from September 1st, 1939 when World War II began as Nazi Germany invaded Poland. Also on this date, in 1905, Alberta and Saskatchewan entered Confederation as the 8th and 9th provinces of Canada. In 1914, the last passenger pigeon in captivity, Martha, died at the Cincinnati Zoo. In 1923, the Japanese cities of Tokyo and Yokohama were devastated by an earthquake that claimed some 140,000 lives. In 1941, the first municipally owned parking building in the United States opened in Welch, West Virginia. Also in 1945, Americans received word of Japan's formal surrender that ended World War II. Because of the time difference, it was September 2nd in Tokyo Bay where the ceremony took place. 
1976, U.S. Representative Wayne L. Hayes, Democrat from Ohio, resigned in the wake of a scandal in which he admitted having an affair with his secretary, Elizabeth Ray. In 1995, a ribbon-cutting ceremony was held for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum in Cleveland. The hall opened to the public the next day. Today's birthday greetings go out to former comedian, actress, Lily Tomlin, who is 77. Actor Don Stroud is 73. Conductor Leonard Saltkin is 72. Singer Archie Bell is also 72. Singer Barry Gibb is 70. Singer Gloria Estefan is 59. Jazz musician Boney James is 55. And we wish to send a very special LMC birthday greeting out to Air member Mama Hen, whose birthday will be tomorrow. Our thought for the day comes to us from Jörg Christoph Lichtberg, German scientist born 1742, died 1799, who said... The most dangerous of all falsehoods is a slightly distorted truth. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now send you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers. Yeah. We'll show for me Numbers only show for you and me Superstition Or even make me suspicious Table with 13 dishes It will make me Make you please Having tea Hey, that's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man Well, okay, Put my trust in good for stuff Cause you know someday May bring you a or maybe a lucky 11. Oh, that you be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes. And uh, as the Nicholas Brothers just said, we do have a 7 for you, but not an 11. This week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 7, 9, 21, 26, 29, and 41. Once again, those numbers are 7, 9, 21, 26, 29, and 41. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 426. That's 426. 777. That's 777. And 909. That's 909. This is the second time only for 777 to appear as a lucky triple digit. And it and 909 are particularly hot for the following seven days. The card of the week this week is the Three of Diamonds, a benefactor. Help from others, be honest, and act responsibly. This week, help will come from unlooked-for places. This is a good week to reach out to others and allow yourself to be helped by others as well. 
Honesty in all public and private matters is of great importance during this seven days. Do not let a little white lie lead to greater harm than good. This is also a week to act in a responsible manner and take matters by the horns. Do what is right and all will be right. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, (laughs) remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, our own Miss Loretta with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Blend 
about two-thirds of the soup with the cream cheese in a blender, or you can do it in an open, wide-mouth bowl with a hand blender, and you may need to do this in small batches. You will then return the two-thirds blended with cream cheese to the remaining one-third and serve hot. You can salt to taste, and you will serve it by desired toppings which are, of course, the toppings that you normally put on a baked potato. This is a delightful and wonderful little meal that requires nothing on the side. You can have rolls, or I like to serve some oh, carrot spears or other little uh, raw vegetables like that with it, but it is the fun, delightful, and easy-to-make soup that's very, very filling and very warming on those chilly nights. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks again for all the notes. Bye-bye. Thank you, Miss Loretta. All right. Hey, that sounds great. Actually, that sounds uh, pretty good. First of all, I'm a, you know kind of a fan of really good potato soup, and uh, that's pretty nice. Baked potato soup. Huh. Well, we'll have to try that at the old homestead some night. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, the professor's pontification is a rejoiner to Miss Catherine Ironwood. That's right. Or how to not end up a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. I mean, after all, you don't just want to be caught sitting around playing with paper dolls. I'm gonna buy a paper doll that I can call my own A doll that other fellows cannot steal And then the flirty, flirty guys With their flirty, flirty eyes Will have to flirt with dollies that are real Come home at night She will be waiting She'll be the truest doll In all this world I'd rather have a paper doll To call my own Than have a fickle-minded real That's why I'm blue She's gone the way And left me Just like all dolls do I'll tell you boys It's tough to be alone And it's tough to love a doll That's not your own I'm I can call my own 
paper doll and i'm afraid no brownies went out <clears throat> no brownies went out on that one that's fine the mills brothers mills brothers ladies and gentlemen and tonight that leads us into our professor's pontification which takes a little bit of explanation so here we go last week our pontification here on the now you know show was about the supposed eternal ongoing cyclical death of hoodoo and how you, both in the Bob Dylan you and the Smokey the Bear you, can aid in keeping it from dying. And then Sunday on the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, our own Miss Cat was the guest on her very own show. And it was a wonderful, wonderful show and very pleasing and very, very nice to get to hear her be the guest for a change. And she had a rejoiner to Professor Porterfield talking about some of the ideas and thoughts that had come up that she wanted to talk about when she was listening to my pontification. First of all, I am deeply honored. Thank you so much, Miss Cat. So now I'm serving the ball Back across the table. See, Miss Cat and I are now engaging in pontificational ping pong. And, uh, you know, listen, you kind of want to get together and get people to see this uh, because, uh, you know, this is going to be great. Pontificational ping pong is, is fantastic, and it's going to be good. So listening to things that Miss Cat said – have brought up a number of issues that I wanted to talk about and to say a little bit more about because I've got just a you know a little more uh, opening here and the Lahimoja Rook Hour has many other things that are done. They have fantastic readings. They give free spells. It's a fantastic show. So here's what I wanted to say in light of this. Miss Cat brought up some very important points about uh, – altar work and the fading off of of older hands-on in the real world about how we have started to see a decline, a change, a movement away from this work that is done hands-on, this work that is done in the world both by practitioners and by clients in more and more in favor of a very isolated, very contained, remote, removed sort of purely alter or workspace-based work. Okay? If you want to hear more about that, Papa Newt, the link master. Okay? First of all, 
let me just take a few seconds here to very quickly say talk radio can be a troublesome spirit to be in commune with. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe we should actually be doing these shows via Ouija board. And then there's Papa Newt. Then there's Papa Newt. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he's sitting on a T3 hub. I don't know if he actually has a crystal ball. We talked last week on the show about crystal gazing. I'm not sure how he does it. But Papa Newt is pretty much the only individual who is ever in the how do you well I want to put this so you'll understand it. He has the shortest repeat during shows. What does that mean? That means that most people have a longer delay. Like I say something and then you hear it a minute later, thirty seconds later, five you know, whatever. I say something and apparently Papa Newt hears it pretty much live time. Okay? Always. And not only does he hear it, he then links relevant links in chat rooms. Here in, at my show, here at the, the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour, on Candelo's Corner, etc. And he has those links auto-magically. I mean, bam, it's right there. So you might want to go back and listen to last week's Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with special guest Catherine Ironwood. And go to the Lucky Mojo forums where you can find a copy of the chat room dialogue and listen to that show and look at those links and go through it. In fact, there's the link right now. So see, you can just click it and go listen to it here after my show. Wait, wait, wait until I finish and then go listen. Don't listen now, then you'll miss me. Now, the issue, again, is about this removed and remote altar work. And Miss Cat likened this at its worst because obviously she wasn't talking against working with altars. We do work with altars. We do work in workspaces. She does. I do. We all do. She wasn't saying, you know, baby out with the bathwater. She was talking about it when it has become such an isolated event that that's all the fuck people are doing. She likened that to playing with Barbies. You know, you have your little Barbie house and Barbie has a car and she has a Ken and Stacy, her friend Stacy. I don't even know if they still make Stacy. And they have their little outfits and they have their little mall galleria thing that they go to and she has whatever. And then, you know, kind of so we don't want everybody to think, again, we're a bunch of misogynistic assholes. She has her, you know, a quantum physics lab where she's a, a teacher so that, you know, we can get away with saying, no, no, we're encouraging to young women. See, she, Barbie, who has the, you know, dimensions that no human female will ever have, is a quantum physicist. And whatever. And so it's this whole thing of that. As well as then she brought up Penny Pinups from Philip K. Dick. And that's where we got to Paper Dolls. Paper Doll from the Mills Brothers. So now you know. Ha <laughs> He said the name of the show. So now you know how we got there. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about. The thing about this is, is that, first of all, it's absolutely true. And I'm going to go a bit against some of what I have said before by telling you why. I am not, as you know, a fan of those who are anti technology who are anti-development of social change, etc. I'm not one of these, you know, the, the internet kills everything 
okay, uh, kind of people. And yet, I am of the firm belief that one of the major components that has led <clears throat> to this work only being done in an altar, no hands-on, all remote, all at distance, all removed work all the time, is the Internet. That it is the way we communicate with each other, that it is how clients meet workers, how workers meet clients, that this has been one of, one of the major components that has led to this. So let's talk about this. This is what I want to get into with you. No one's saying don't have an altar, don't have a workspace. In fact, I would say the exact opposite. Have a workspace. If you want to then call that an altar because it is an altar for you, then have an altar. Um, myself, I, I don't have an altar. To me, an altar is a religious situation. It's a religious space. It's dedicated to a or a number of divine figures, entities, etc. But we'll call it what it is. So it's very well and good and fine to have a workspace, to have an altar. No one would say otherwise. There are very there's a very fine book published out of the Lucky Mojo Publishing company uh, about hoodoo altars and shrines. Uh, uh, there's, uh, there's wonderful teaching about proper, you know, not necessarily proper, but successful or uh, efficacious ways to use that space. You know, and what should be, you know, you want this on the right and that on the left. You want it to face east. You want it to face west. You want it to face north. You want it to face south, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And what to do about people that, you know, try to touch it or interact, you know, meddle with it or blow out your candles on it or all these crazy people with their neuroses doing all this shit to your workspace, your altar. So I am in no way saying don't have that. I am in no way saying don't set one up. I'm in no way saying that having one or setting one up is not correct or is, is somehow uh, unnormative or is somehow ag against the grain or is somehow you know weird or strange or new. It's not new at all. In fact, it's very, very old. What I am saying is do not let that then be the end. Oh, and now I'm done. The way I would think about it is this. A workspace, an altar, is exactly that. It's a workspace. It's a workspace, okay? But that means it might be the floor of a house. It might be the countertop of the kitchen, all right? But you shouldn't limit your life to the floor of your house. You shouldn't limit just cooking on the countertop, right? I mean, you also cook in the stove, don't you? You use the sink, don't you? You go out of the house to go to the store to buy groceries, don't you? You know, I mean, you sharpen, you know, knives that aren't sitting on the countertop. So, in other words, don't fall into a trap whereby the altar and the workspace become everything. Importantly, you've got to keep your clients getting out. One of the things I say to my clients when they come to me, and this is just personal, 
But someone calls me up and they say, hey, I want to do this work. And I say, okay, well, I'm a justified worker, so explain to me exactly what's going on because I might freaking say no. And they tell me and I say, okay, I'll take the task on. And then I carefully, carefully make sure that they understand that this is not, as I term it, a Wizard of Oz situation. This is not some strange man behind the curtain doing everything. And we have a lot of Wizard of Oz work going on in our magical communities, even in hoodoo, you know, where everything happens behind a curtain. You come get the reading. I'm behind the curtain. You want the work. I'll go away and do the work and tell you about it. You, you don't see it. You don't participate in it. You don't add to it. Maybe you send the worker a bit of cloth, a bit of hair, a name paper, a picture, etc. And that's it. It's all behind the curtain, back here. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. All right? I don't run my business that way. I don't think others should run their business that way, to each their own, but I don't think that is correct. I tell my clients what I'm going to tell you. They have to participate. They have to cooperate with me. They must scatter powders if that's necessary. Now, well, why don't you scatter powders? You're the worker. Well, because some of the people that call me live in Anchorage, Alaska or in Vermont, or in Milwaukee, or in Hawaii, or in France, or in freaking Singapore, and there's just no way for Professor Porterfield to get onto an airplane at DFW Fly to uh, Los Angeles, from Los Angeles to fly probably, I would guess, to Hawaii, and from Hawaii to Singapore, and after the multiple hour, I don't know what how, how long, about probably 12, 13 hour maybe flight, arrive in Singapore, get a taxi, drive to the house of your enemy, and lay down, you know, fucking red pepper and whatnot on their doorstep. That would be cost prohibitive, don't you think? And it would be outside of the normal framework of hoodoo. Okay, it would be it would be malformation. The laying of powders, <clears throat> the cleaning of houses that are not, you know, within a certain level of, you know, we got blood coming out of the wall. All right. The collecting of footprints, the dressing of fixtures in the house or in houses, whether they be doorknobs, windows, uh, whether they be the doors themselves, uh, placing things under mats in front of the door, doormats, etc. The dressing of mailboxes inside or out or on their handles. All of these things take place in the real world. Okay? Now, that is not to say that there are not sometimes causes for workers to come to you or for you to come to workers. I will tell you that traditionally, traditionally the worker did not come to you. You came to the worker. 
Okay, and people would travel vast distances, considering the technology of the time, vast distances to see Aunt Carolyn die. Okay, I mean, we're talking about Model Ts. There are still most people still have horses. You know what I'm saying? I mean, horses, ice is still fucking being delivered. You know, in wagons and shit, and people would travel hundreds of miles. Okay across states, across geographical regions to see people like Aunt Carolyn Dye and others. I could sit here and you know, ramble off a list of those workers, but it adds to what I'm trying to get to you. The point is that is what is normative. The people come to you. And there are occasions and needs of that one-to-oneness, uh, foot washing, uh, 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 dusting down, brushing down, uh, sometimes too clean. Sometimes the worker goes to clean your house because there's something a little more dire or serious or, you know, ingrained. Sometimes the worker comes to your house to try to find where things may have been laid or buried or hidden in your house or around your house, head washings, etc., 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 etc. Now, the point I'm making here is this: you cannot limit. Your work, if you want to call it hoodoo, and if you want to preserve hoodoo solely to your workspace, your altar space, your altar, your place of contemplation, whatever you want to call it, you can't do that. Now, you most certainly can do that. This is America. You can do whatever you want. Apparently, the thing you can't do is silently protest or you know use your rights, but you can totally... Just do all your work on your altar space, and that's the only work you do. But in you, when you do that, what you're doing is you're starting to change hoodoo. And when you prescribe to your clients nothing but work that involves things you're doing on your altar behind your curtain invoking the Wizard of Oz effect, you're losing hoodoo. And here's what I mean. You're not just losing how hoodoo is normatively practiced. You're losing part of the deep and abiding social connection and context and content that belongs to hoodoo, which is to be interacting in a community, interacting with individuals, participating with individuals, to be on the scene like a lean machine taking care of their needs, whether they come to you or whether you go to them or whether you prescribe to them. And when I say prescribe, I mean sit there for a goddamn hour if it takes and carefully explain to them what they have to do physically and be prepared to talk to them as if they were six because they will never have done this before, and you are not talking down to them. You are trying to encapsulate and capture everything that could go wrong. Now, don't do this and do this, and then turn left, and then towards the setting sun, towards the rising sun, towards the moon, to the edge of the beach, to the edge of the river, over the left shoulder, over the right shoulder, top of your head, down to your shoulders, shoulders down to your chest, chest down to your belly, belly down to your groin, etc., 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 Okay, that's hoodoo because you're interacting with people because people are doing things because you're doing things because we are doing things together. And often 
what you find when you study and when you come to know hoodoo is you have the worker doing this, and meanwhile, this other thing is being done by the client. Workers would not come to your home and make you the tea and feed you the tea every day at the particular hour. You know, that just, you know, the same way the doctor doesn't come to your house and make sure you take the pill with food, okay? You have to take some responsibility of your own. And that is a dual responsibility the responsibility of the client to follow the instructions and the responsibility of the worker to give good and clear instructions. So, what I have to say to you this week, in my rejoiner to the rejoiner from Ms. Catherine Ironwood, is don't end up trapped at the altar, okay? Don't end up trapped at the altar. Don't end up trapped only at the workspace with your head down, your eyes not up, not seeing what's going on around you. And I'll tell you something. I honestly believe that this this may be a part of our ills. I think she's on to something here, folks. I think this may be a serious part of the problems that we have in our community. And I'll tell you why. When you're just at the altar and your head is down, nose to the candlestick instead of, you know, the stone, the grindstone, okay, eyes down on the on the work, your eyes aren't going anywhere else. Your head's not lifted up. No wonder we have so many people involved in hoodoo who are so disconnected from the issues involved in the African-American community. No wonder we have so many people that are so unaware of the issues in our community going on with the malformation of hoodoo, going on with cheats and liars and jokers and scam artists. No wonder it's all so isolated because you've already gotten trapped at the altar with your head down, eyes just on your little thing. Stand up, step away, and look around. I guarantee you if you have to go out, come to you and talk to them person to person, you will soon find yourself unable to be ignorant of the issues and concerns inside the community. First, uh, the community of Hoodoos, next, the community of African Americans, and next, the greater community, the world, etc. So do not get trapped at the altar. And there, that's that. I serve the ball across the table uh, in this in this. Delightful. I mean, I am absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted to play pontification ping pong with Catherine Ironwood. And so, I, you know, there you go. That's that. That's the rejoiner to the rejoiner. Seriously, consider this. Consider this. If you just end up playing at your altar, because it does lead to play, because, see, you have no external source. You understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you something in Judaism. In Judaism, we are taught not to study Torah alone, because if we study Torah alone, we will not have a full understanding of the components of Torah. We do not study Talmud alone, because if we study Talmud alone, we will misinterpret law in favor of what we think is right. We do not study the Zohar alone, because to just kind of sum it up and save a lot of words, you'll get really weird. 
Like, seriously, you'll go cuckoo. You'll get really, really strange. So we do not study the Zohar alone. And so, too, do not practice hoodoo alone, 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 just at your little altar, in your little room, in your little space, never going out, never telling other people to go out, and just sort of because you end up playing. You end up being at the danger of getting caught up into a fantasy, a fantasy and the fantasy we have talked about here on the show time and time again, the fantasy of your own importance, the fantasy of your own ego, the fantasy of your own distress, the fantasy of your own burden, you end up just play pretending hoodoo instead of actually doing hoodoo. And if you're not careful, if you're not careful, well, then you won't end up a paper doll. No, that's what you're playing with. No, no you'll end up a paper tiger. Tiger, and it was by Sue Thompson. Sue Thompson did Paper Tiger, and so there, there's your half your brownie. Share it with Catherine. She got cheated out of a whole brownie because of a computer problem. And 
I want to say that, you know, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, the lyrics of that song are very, very true. That's how you'll end up. That's how you'll end up. You know, well, that was just Sue Thompson doing what myself and the rest of the staff here at the LMC Radio Network are all trying to do. You know, send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa and Michael Correll, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron, starring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead Chief Engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, a very hardworking man indeed for bringing us that update of our weekly shows each and every week. Up next, we have, I am told, a little bird, a, a little bird called Loretta, has whispered in my ear that up next we have a very special a very special announcement about our sponsor. Here it is, folks. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is... <clears throat> I'm, I'm doing this because I... Well, last week, I put someone on the air and forced them to do something. So now they are forcing me to do this. Hello, friends. This is Alfred Newman here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Friends, did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits, friends, for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking, of course, about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville. California. Why not come and visit them and bring the kids? They'll love to see the train set. It's fantastic and it's amazing. A beautiful display and a delight for the whole family. 
And then afterwards, you can go and take a few moments of quiet meditation and personal prayer in the world's smallest church. That's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. They're just outside the doors of Lucky Mojo. And then breeze on in and go down the aisles looking at thousands of items from all around the world for all your needs. But if you can't get there, don't be in despair, friends, because you can go and visit them online at www.luckymojo.com and browse their fantastic and beautiful online catalog and order those items in the comfort of your own home and have them delivered to your own front door. So friends, once again, won't you take a little time to visit the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, or online at www.luckymojo.com. And tell them that Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> wow. Holy smokes. Holy. I can't believe it. Okay, folks. There you, there you go. I, I feel that he should have been forced to try to sound like Miss Miss Loretta, but but instead, we got to hear. And don't get me wrong, I've heard him. You know, we we work together, right? I mean, you know, he's in the halls and shit, right? You know, I don't normally go, you know, to the water cooler or into the break room, and you know, like Count Goulash is in there going, blah, 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 blah. you know, he's normally just. You know, he's normally just Fred Newman, right? So, anyway, there you go, folks. Up next, <laughs> a little segment I like to call... Divination and You. That's right, Divination and You. Tick-tock, to and fro, back and forth. We're going to be talking about pendulums. Oh, yes, we are. We've got it all on a string. Merry month of May, sunny skies of blue, clouds have rolled away, and the sun peeps through May Express. Happiness. Joy you may define in a thousand ways, but a case like mine needs a special phrase to reveal how I feel. I've got the world on a string, sitting on a rainbow, got the string around my finger What a world What a life I'm in love I've got a song that I sing I can make the rain go Anytime I move my I'm in love 
Fitzgerald with I've Got the World on a String and a corner piece, so it's crunchy, crispy on two sides, of brownie goes to Miss Catherine Ironwood, who got it correct. That's right, Ella Fitzgerald. You know, six years? Six years solid? It's like something out of a James Elroy novel or a, a Jack Webb. That's, a, that's like a way Jack Webby kind of moment. Oh, and by the way, if anyone can tell me the connection between Jack Webb and Ella Fitzgerald, you, you get a brownie too. So there you do. All you gotta do is name name the movie, name the movie, and 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 you'll 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 get a brownie for the Jack Webb Ella Fitzgerald connection. Just name the movie, and and you win. 
Anyway, that brings us in to this week's Divination and You. It's not as cool without the lightning and the thunder. This week, we're going to be talking about pendulum and pendulum divination. Now, we're going to touch a little bit on some issues that we've touched on before when we talked about dowsing, because you can douse with a pendulum, and we talked about that. But specifically, we're going to be talking about pendulum. What's a pendulum? Well, it's a weighted, balanced, very important, a weighted, balanced. You often see that they have a point uh, object. Okay, it's a weighted, balanced, pointed object suspended from a lanyard of some sort. From It could be made of cord, row, uh, string, chain, uh, thread, etc. And pendulums are commonly made of metal, semi-precious stone, whole roots, and very rarely, but sometimes, wood. Okay, so there you go. And by the way, I want to take a brief moment to simply say that freedom to be in the know, freedom to be in the know, uh, gets a brownie. You get a brownie. You got it. It is, in fact, Pete Kelly's Blues. That's right. Oh, and for all of you hoodoo people, um, go and watch Pete Kelly's Blues and see if you can pick out the hoodoo in the movie. It's there. It's in the background. It's in little tiny places. But see if you can find it. See if you can find it. So there you go. Back to pendulums. Now, one of the most common pendulums that you see throughout uh, relatively recent history, and by that I mean before the ancient period and during the time in which people have started wearing them, is wedding rings. That's right, wedding rings, or personal rings, but often a wedding ring. And a wedding ring will often be tied to a piece of string or yarn or thread and used as a pendulum to particularly divine particularly divine, over the stomach of a pregnant woman to divine the sex of the... So there you go. Wedding rings tied to a lanyard held over the belly, the stomach of a pregnant woman while she lays on her back often to determine, to divine the sex of the as yet unborn child. Now, those that are more gifted and more talented uh, often will sometimes divine uh, from this also the health of the child and a few other general things about the child. But most often it, you see it being done by determining the sex of the unborn child. Now, how common is that? That is so common that there are people who do not consider themselves and are not considered by others to be magical practitioners who do that. That happens at numerous baby showers all over this country and in other countries regularly. There's a baby shower and someone says, oh, do the thing with the ring to do the baby sex because this is all before ultrasound. It's not quite as common now that we have ultrasound, but particularly at baby showers. And inevitably, an older woman is asked 
to do this. If not an older woman, then one of the women at the baby shower who is considered somewhat more, quote, magical, witchy, whatever word you want to put in it. But often it's mother, mother-in-law, grandmother, great-aunt, etc., who knows how to do this, and so they do it. Now, it may seem like a party game, but it's not. It may seem like just some sort of, oh, you know, whatever, and we also do the thing with the coat hanger where we tie all the stuff to it and the baby diaper thing that we make into a doll and all that shit. No, 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 no. This is actual divination, and it follows the principles of pendulum divination, which are that first, you have an item that you will use as your pendulum. Now, note here that the wedding ring is not weighted in the same sense that other pendulums are, but it is weighted across its entire circumference. Now, that it is then tied to some sort of a lanyard, a string, a chain, etc. Then it is held over something or someone, an area, and then its movements are watched. Its movements giving the answer. In this case, what you often hear is that if it moves in a circular motion, that the child will be a girl, and that if it moves back and forth, that the child will be male. Now, where do you get that? Well, back and forth is a morphologic shape, you know, round and round is more. Okay, right, you're, you're with me. Okay, good. And that is actual, 100% tried and true, as old as the hills, pendulum divination. Notice how it also follows the idea of the pendulum being, in other words, we're not making a ring out of wire. We're not, you know, getting a, a something, a paper clip. We're using a wedding ring, a personal item. And sometimes it is the wedding ring of the woman being read on. Sometimes it is the wedding ring of the woman reading. Occasionally, in certain cultural groups, it will even be the husband's wedding ring that is sent for, that is fetched and brought to have this done. So you see, here we have the idea that a pendulum is a particular object. It's not just an any old something. Now, some of you at this point may be saying, but wait a minute, you said a root could be used as a pendulum, and a root isn't any old something. No, it's not. Don't, don't be, oh, good heavens, good heavens, good, good, good Heavens, man! Oh my God, I can't believe you think such a thing. Oh goodness! No, it's not just an any old object because it's not just any old root. It is a specific root or a specific set of roots that might be used as a pendulum. You might use a Queen Elizabeth root. You might use a John the Conqueror root. Now you open up the idea of the jackball. What's a jackball? You don't know what a jackball is? Really? Come on. You've got to start doing some work on your own. A jackball is a ball of wax which contains within it certain items. Those items include and do often include root chips, a whole small John the Conqueror root, papers, uh, urine uh, soaked into those papers, uh, Hair, fingernail clippings, etc., wrapped all up in wax and then wrapped all up in thread until it looks like a, a, a cloth ball or a string ball, I should say, which has, as the string has been wound, a loop of string has been left so that it can then be attached 
to a further string or chain, etc. Okay, and then it is used as a pendulum. A lot of people have a jackball and they say, oh, you just carry a jackball, you keep it in your pocket, you keep the rates lucky. Now, that's true. It is lucky. You can do this. It is efficacious to carry it on you. It's a good thing. But it's a pendulum. If it wasn't, why does it need a loop? Why does it need a loop of string so that it can be attached to something? It's attached to something so that it can be used as a pendulum. All right? Now, the use of a pendulum in hoodoo is seen a great deal. It may seem to the modern observer that pendulum divination is a modern occurrence. Why? Because most pendulums that you see nowadays for sale are, they range from a little bit cheap to fairly expensive items made out of semi-precious stone, made out of cuts quartz, quartz not being so expensive, that are capped or bound with semi-precious metal settings, silver settings, on chains of silver, gold, etc. La da 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 da. Okay? Now, therefore, it can seem that it's a modern thing. Because obviously, people practicing hoodoo in older days were not using semi-precious stones, gold and silver chains, silver settings, silver caps, you know, things made by jewelers. But that's untrue. It was a part of hoodoo. And the objects used were of a slightly more common sort. Rings, needles. You can use a needle or a pin as a pendulum. In this case, you tie around the middle of it, not through its eye, although there can be uh, the use of a pendulum through tied, a needle tied through its eye. Um, roots, etc. And also, something else I want you to consider. Plum bobs. We often see a plum bob which is an architectural tool. It's a tool, a builder's tool. It's used by architects and builders to find plumb, to find dead leveling, okay? And it has often been used as a pendulum. In fact, I use a pendulum. I use a pendulum regularly. Why? Well, because I also do dowsing, and everyone knows that, etc. And I use a pendulum. And what do I use for a pendulum? I use a brass plumb bob bought at the hardware store. Why do I use a plumb bob? Well, I use a plumb bob because a plumb bob has a space within it. Let me tell you a little thing about the plumb bob. You might find it interesting. In older days, plumb bobs and the production of them, they could not be 100% weighted correctly, meaning they were often a little off. Not by much, not by much. And so a plumb bob had within it a hollow space. It's a very small hollow space near the top. And in this hollow space, oil would be added. And the oil was added to help balance the plumb bob. In other words, you would take your plumb, you would tie it off, 
you would hang it, you would let it come to rest, you would check to see if it was level or not, and this is level up and down, not level side to side, okay? And then you would slowly, you would open it, and you would slowly put a drop or two of oil in and seal it back up and then check it. And you would do this until you got it balanced. Now, because of that, the hollow space in the plumb bob continued to be a part of the design of plumb bobs, including modern plums. Nowadays, perfectly balanced, excellently weighted plums are available at your local hardware store, and they still have a hollow space in them. The hollow space is no longer used for oil. It's not. It's just there. It's just a leftover. It's like the watch pocket on a pair of Levi's. I'm like one of the few men left in America who actually carries a pocket watch in his watch pocket in his jeans. Most other people don't. They go, well, there's a little pocket here. What's this little damn pocket for? I guess I can put pennies or something in it. It's a little, a little, little weird pocket. Well, it had a purpose. Okay. Now, that means that the empty space inside the plumb bob is still there. And you can place powders, earths, bones, root chips, etc. inside that space. They won't throw the balance of the bob off. I mean, they might if you like you just cram some huge thing in there, but they really won't. You would really have to you would have to be able to fill them over their capacity. And so now you can fill them and then for you can have a dedicated, a fixed a fixed pendulum. And you just go down to the drug the, the hardware store to get it. Now, pendulum readings consist, as I have said, of observing the movements of the suspended pendulum in order to determine the answer to a question for a client. The reader holds the stringer cord and asks exact questions, clear questions of the pendulum, first determining which pattern or movement or which direction constitutes yes or no. Now, some people also say that they can train their pendulum. They train their pendulum. They teach their pendulum. This is no, this is yes. Others come into a relationship with the pendulum. The pendulum moves in a particular way, and they must learn what is yes and what is no. Then after that, they will ask questions, now having determined the movements of the pendulum. So then you get it. You see what I'm saying? Now, that's why I'm saying... That's why I'm saying specific questions, you know, yes, no. We don't want, like, you know, what's the winning lottery number? What's so-and-so's uh, social security number? All right? So you can, therefore, get these yes, no answers. You can also douse. I remember I mentioned you douse over something. You can douse over a map. This is very traditional. You can douse over a map to, you know, show you something. Where is whatever? Where is this person? Where is that thing? Etc. A pendulum bob that can contain items, as I have talked about earlier, can also contain witnesses. Okay? Think of them somewhat like personal concerns. A witness would be, I'm looking for gold. So you put a little gold dust or a little, little itty-bitty, little, little, you know, little grit of gold in there. Silver, oil, water, etc. <clears throat> so that you can then attune 
your pendulum to finding that substance. So this week, I would like you to consider the pendulum. It is an ancient tool. It is available immediately near you in all sorts of ways. You need not go and spend fantastic dollars on fantastic pendulums. They're nice. They're pretty. They work. And if you want to have a beautiful and lovely object to douse with, by all means. But if you don't have that money, consider dowsing with a root, a root that you buy, a root that you hold, a root that you work with, a root that you get your hand oil on, a root that you talk to, that you develop working with that you then use as a pendulum. Consider going down to the hardware store and buying a pendulum there. They're relatively cheap, and they have a variety of sizes. What if you want an iron pendulum? Well, you can go get one from there. If you want a brass pendulum, you can get one there. And because they have that hollow space, you can fill them with things, witnesses or other things. What do you mean other things? I'm confused, Professor Porterfield. You say other things, but you're not exactly – I mean, I understand the witness part there, buddy, but uh, what do you mean other things? Well, what about putting psychic vision sachet powder into the hollow space of a pendulum that you're trying to use for divination? Huh? What about that? What about putting come-to-me powder or come-to-me incense into a pendulum that you're using for remote viewing, as it were, remote finding, where you're trying to find where you're going to meet that gal, where you're going to meet guy in your area? You see, that's what I mean by other things. Well, I want to divine, but I don't want anyone to know that I'm doing it. I don't want anyone to know that I'm sort of spying on them with my pendulum. Oh, all right. Well, why don't you put a black cat bone in there? Or a needle with the eye broken, etc. You see, there are all sorts of things you could do. And finally, you can also do this. You can lay out a sequence of numbers, one to zero, And all of the letters of the alphabet, you could lay them out in a circle. And, you know, they make a big wheel, all right? And then hold a pendulum above that wheel in the middle and then ask questions. And you could use the pendulum as one uses the plachette in or on a Ouija board. So think about that. Um, I prefer to call it a, a yes, yes board, since that's what it is. Uh, I, I guess we're lucky that it's not a no, no board, uh, but it is, in fact, a yes, yes board. A we, oui, the we oui from the French, yes, and ja from the German, uh, you know, Germanic language, yes, we oui, ja, yes, yes. So you can make a yes, yes action with your pendulum. So now you see there are many, many, many things that you can do with a pendulum. Find people, find objects, find substances, get yes and no answered questions, get longer 
get longer questions by piecing together messages, spirit messages. Now, you would be using, that would be a form of medianism. You probably wouldn't just be asking the pendulum. You would be asking the spirit to move the pendulum. So, you know, you might want to use, again, an appropriate powder or object or item inside. Think of this for a moment. Think of this for a moment. What if you have great-grandmother's ring? And what if you want to ask great-grandmother a question? Well, you could set out your numbers and letters in your wheel, tie a string to great-grandmother's ring, and use it as the pendulum to speak to her. It was, after all, her ring. Now, wasn't it? Do you see what I'm trying to say to you? This art of pendulum reading is far too overlooked. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is you see people with pendulums all the damn time. There are people. I mean, they've got them on. They've got them uh, 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 on their wrists. They've got them on belly chains next to their belly buttons. They've got them on lanyards around their necks. They've got them you know, tied around their foreheads. They've got them on their clothes. Tons of pendulums. And you never see a son of a bitch using them. I mean, they're, they're selling off the shelves like hotcakes. I mean, they're a good seller. You know what I'm saying? A- ask people. Ask people who run, you know, candle shops, magical supply stores. Ask them if pendulums sell well and see what the total numbers are. Pendulums are selling. They're not, you know, like, you know, selling out like we can't keep them in the joint. But they're selling. They're not just sitting on the shelf gathering dust. People are buying pendulums. But you never see somebody using one. Do you? No. They end up hung from hooks in the ceiling in front of windows so that when the light passes through them, they make pretty colors. They end up, you know, this is, this is, I hate this. I hate this. And I live right now in the time where I see this all the time. I see shit being made out of records. Let me say that again because it may have confused you. I see things made out of records. You know, people take a bowl shape mold thing and they heat it up to a certain temperature and they press a record. They press an LP into it and make a bowl. They make art. They make, you know, a wind chime. They make a mobile. They make a placeholder. You know, what the fuck ever they make out of LPs, out of records, out of records. And these aren't records that somebody, you know, uh, back in 65 took a needle and scratched because they were in the middle of a divorce, which, by the way, Catherine, if I had had to listen to anything, if I had had to listen to my most favorite fucking song, Solid, for six years, when that dude was asleep, I would have been at the goddamn LP connection with a fucking, with a needle in my hand going, across every one of those bitches. So because if I've got to listen to it on repeat, you can listen to it repeat in the midst. You know, I've just got to find a girl, a girl, a girl, a girl, a girl, a girl. Yeah, that's that's what I think of having to listen to anything solid for six damn years. All right. So it's seriously, they take records and they're making object art out of them. And here's the problem with it. It's a record. It's a freaking record. It's meant to be used to listen to the recorded sounds on its surface. I hate that. 
I hate people who take books and make dioramas out of out of the out of the out of the book. You know, we open the book and we cut the middle part of it out, and then we make a lovely little landscape. And there's a little village, and there's a tower, and there's a little knight on a horse that's also made out of parts of the book inside the book. Isn't it wonderful? And I'm like, you killed a book. You killed a book, you fucker. And by the way, that's the terminology I use. Not you ruined a book. You didn't ruin a book. You killed a book. Books are alive. Books carry voices and words and information and hopes and dreams and fears and loves and hates down the centuries. And you fucking killed one. Good on you. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. I don't, you know, let me just say this, because maybe in the time period I'm living, it's gotten confused. So let me just, let me just tell you, okay, here it is. You read books. You might eat you read them, you read books, you read books, you listen to records, Okay. You read them. You re- Are we going to start having a lot of food art? Is that what's going to start happening? Is that what's going to start happening is we're going to have food art? Like I'm going to come to your house for dinner, and you're going to say, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're, going to have a, uh, we're going to have steaks smothered in chops. And when I get there, they're all hanging from a coat hanger over the table as a mobile, and you're just going to let the wind from a fan you have set up nearby sort of make them – you know, slowly undulate around while they drip meat juice onto a plate platter under them, and, and that's what I'm supposed to have for dinner is art. That's it. You eat food! Okay, but this is an object de art steak. This is my interpretation of this meal. I call it steak on the move. Really? Really? So that's what it is. It's 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 what is that again? It's 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 you know, Chateaubriand presentation. No, it's food, and you've done so. See, that's where we're going. That's that's it. That's that's what's going to happen. I, I guarantee it. That's what's next. Okay. You read books. You listen to records, and you eat food, and also you use pendulums. You use them care what you use them for. I don't care if you use them to align your chakras. I don't care if you use them to divine. I don't care if you use them to ask yes or no questions, the sex of children, to find objects. I don't care if they're really well balanced. If you use them to set dead level middle plumb. That's actually a technical term. I don't care. Okay? But use them. Use them. And consider this. Consider, again, the plum, Bob, because it has a history and it has a life. Meaning, go look in the antique store. You'll find lots of plum bobs. Some of them are beautiful. Some of them are beautiful, hand-tooled, carefully carved and carefully balanced wood. Wood that are 70 years old. 80 years old, 100 years old, then you can buy them for, you know, five bucks, ten bucks. You know, wouldn't it be nice to have a beautiful 100-year-old, beautifully hand wooden, you know, that on a lathe, uh, an artist, a, a man and wo- or woman of, of, of some sort of skill made this object, and here it is. Wouldn't that be nice? 
I think that would be nice. Do as you will, though. Do as you will. Wouldn't it be nice to go and dig up the root and to clean it and to, you know, prepare it and to dry it and, and to use it yourself? Wouldn't that be nice? I think that would be nice. But again, do what you would like to do for yourself. This week, I would like you to go out and read and learn and talk and ask about pendulums, unless you already have pendulums. And if you already have pendulums this week, I would like you to use them. Oh, and by the way, you don't have to just use them in an altar space. (laughs) You don't have to become trapped at the altar. You can take that pendulum outside to find things, too. All right? So there you go. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen. And we're going to be talking about lucky hand root, my grandson's favorite phrase, lucky hand root. They run around the house saying it. I kid you not. An excellent root. You can use them for all sorts of things. You can even use them in juju hands. Yes, Juju Hand. So he got that. So that was Juju Hand by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Before we get into talking about Lucky Hand Root, 
my grandson's favorite phrase. Consider this song for a moment. This isn't a wonderful little song. Okay? I mean, I, I'm dead serious here, folks. Okay? I, I'm not I'm not joking. There is, and we have talked about this before on the show, a lot of discussion and correct discussion about uh, you know, listening to the blues and listening to uh you know, when things are stated in songs. And this is the same thing we were talking about uh, with books. The song, the music also contains information and keeps it alive. And so let's just consider this little song for a moment. Okay. This song uh, is from... 64, 65, 64, 65, all right? So we're not talking about 18-whatever, 1920, 1930, 1940. We're and a bullfrog's eye, okay? And he specifically says a juju hand. Now, this is telling. All this is very, very, very telling. You see, this is what I'm talking about. This is why I said to you, go and watch Pete Kelly's Blues and tell me if you can find the hoodoo hidden in the movie. Because it's here. It's alive. This isn't something that just happens. This is this is here. This isn't just being made up. It's not play pretend. It's not Barbies. It's not role play. All right. It's a cultural experience. And here's an interesting fact. Sam the Sham. All right. Is not. No, 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 no. Sam is Domingo Samudio, who was born in Dallas, Texas. All right. He's Hispanic. He's a Mexican-American. All right. And, in fact, his first group that he ever formed was with Trini Lopez. Uh, if you don't know who Trini Lopez is, I don't know what to – I don't – just figure it out. I, I can't help you. All right? He went to the University of Texas, all right, at Arlington. It, the name, Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, he became known as Sam the Sham because it was a sham, because he pretended like he wasn't. Mexican American, and the Pharaohs came from uh, from seeing Ewell Brenner in the Ten Commandments, and that was '56. All right, so and they played in '60s. They played almost exclusively in Louisiana and Tennessee. So what I'm trying to say to you is that there's a tantalizing little thing here. Okay. Tantalizing. Here is hoodoo. Hoodoo is not just an ancient thing. Hoodoo is not just a, oh, well, 100 years ago. Oh, well, 89 years ago. 65. 65. All right? There you go. And that leads us into talking about Lucky Handroot, which my grandsons adore Lucky Handroot. And, you know, maybe they'll grow up and start doing, uh, you know, hoodoo. 
Lucky Hand Root, also known as Helping Hand Root, Putty Root, Orchid, Salop Root, and Salup Root, is of course and from the Orchid family. Uh, it is a name applied to several of the orchid species whose roots grow in the form of a hand uh, with two to ten finger-like extensions. And it's very, very commonly used in hoodoo and conjure. You see it almost everywhere. And they are, all these lucky hand roots are closely related to the Adam and Eve orchid. And uh, they share between them the common names of uh, putty root and salop and solop. Magically, they're distinguished uh, by their function. Uh, uh, so a lucky hand root, uh, are, uh, you know, you can tell by their shape. They're more lobed, while Adam and Eve roots are spherical or cone-shaped. What can you use them for? Well... A lucky hand root can be used for lucky money m- mojos. All right. Gamblers report that the grasping action of this curio, not unlike the grasping action of that alligator's paw, brings in winnings. It is alleged that carry a whole lucky hand root and a pinch of five-finger grass in a small red bag concealed on them someplace will never be long without money and will always be extremely lucky at cards, bingo, dice, slots, and other games where the hands must be used. They can also be used in part of a triple hand hand. Let me say that again. A triple hand hand. A hand that contains three hand-like curios, a lucky hand root, five-finger grass, and here it is, an alligator foot or alligator paw may be carried in a green flannel bag to bring money luck through manual dexterity. Uh, People also like to carry a single whole lucky hand root on their person and attribute just, you know, wonderful effect to it, particularly when it is regularly fed with lucky hand oil. So there are just a few examples of this. And I want to bring back kind of everything together here for a moment, if I can, if I may. Hoodoo is not a practice or an art that takes place behind a curtain that takes place in a closed and cloistered, okay, box, space. It takes place in the real world. It takes place in the everyday world. In other words, you may prepare a mojo, a hand, a juju on an altar, on a workspace, but it's no good if it's not carried. Now, is it? It's no good if it's not placed where it needs to be placed. Some are placed above the lintel of doors. Some are placed in the bed, in between the mattress and the box spring, or into the mattress in the old days when you could get into the mattress more easily. They're carried in your pocket. They're carried in your shoe. They're carried around your belly. They're carried around your neck. They're carried here, there, everywhere. But they're no good if they don't go out and do their work. Now, are they? Now, are they? Do you understand where I'm guiding you tonight? where I'm sort of gently trying to lead you 
just kind of saying, hey, let's come over here for a moment. I want you to consider this. Do you really want to be a part of hoodoo that uses mojo bags as objet de art? Now, let me be clear. Not hoodoo that has, that has mojo bags that are so beautifully made, that are so finely done, that are so expertly executed that they are worthy of being art, that they are artistic. No, 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 no. That's not what I said. Objet de art. Is that what you want? Where they're just art objects? Where people are making uh, wind chimes out of mojo bags? Where they're just hung and left on a, in a corner? Not because the corner is the place to do the work. Not because they're there to do anything, but to merely look at as art. Is that where we're going? The same place we're pressing LPs into bowls, turning books, butchering, killing books into dioramas, turning things into art so they no longer have function? Is that what we want? And listen, pal, I'm not against art. I'm a huge art lover, and art has a function to elicit response and emotion in the viewer, in the participant. Is that what you want? Do you want to end up in a place where mojo bags are just art objects? You need to continue your work. And obviously, there's nothing wrong with having an altar or a workspace to do it. But don't get trapped. Don't just hang your pendulums up as wind chimes, as light catchers. Just set your lucky mojo root aside so that it's it's there, it's beautiful, it looks like a little hand. I, I arranged them all so they look like they're gripping a bowl. Not because it does any work, but just because whatever. And again, don't take anything that I'm saying to mean that you should deny yourself beautiful things. Of course you should have beautiful and finely made things. We all should. We all desire to be surrounded by beauty and things that are aesthetically pleasing. But don't let that become the only result. Otherwise, what use is an aesthetically pleasing chair you can't sit in? Functionality and art should go together. Things that are functional should also be aesthetically pleasing. I hope you'll take some time this week to look at our old friend, the Lucky Hand Root. I'm telling you, it is ubiquitous, and yet, huh, almost to the point where no one regards it anymore. Not many people use Lucky Hand Root Oil anymore, and it is an excellent, excellent oil. Remember that a lot of hoodoo is done by the hand, and so you could age your own hands with a little Lucky Hand Root, not just for money, but also for other things. You know, you turn a card with a hand for gambling, but also for card reading. You know, you hold that pendulum in your hand. You know, you make money doing this if you're a professional worker. Maybe you need a little lucky hand root oil. I'm dead serious. Form and function together. That, at the end of the day, probably the chapter heading for tonight's 75th wonderful episode of the Now You Know Show. Our In the Kitchen section comes to us each and every week from our own knowledge as well as from the wonderful book, 
Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood, and we thank her for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. The in the the divination in you section comes again from our own knowledge and also from all the fine people at Air. Why not check them out at readersandrootworkers.org, and we thank them for its use and inclusion in the show each and every week. Well, folks. This is it. We've come down to the end. Johnny's off shutting up uh, the break room because we had a we had a little kind of a gathering over there today. I wouldn't really call it a party, but it was just kind of a celebratory thing for Miss Loretta and Count Goulash. And he's over there packing that all up. The aforementioned Miss Loretta and our own Count Goulash have left the building hand in hand. And mazel tov and God bless to them. For myself, well, I'm going to go and wander that dusty trail and not be tied to my altar. I'm going to use my workspace as a workspace and not get trapped there. I'm going to be out in the world doing that old hoodoo the way it was done and the way we're going to do it now, which is how we embrace the new without losing the old. So I guess, folks... From me to you, this is this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Hop 
Of the LMC Radio Network. Bless their hearts.